everyone, and welcome to this episode of Capital Chats. I'm your host, Michelle Johnson. Although it seems like the legislative session is still so far away, the advocacy never stops at IASB. We want to make a big push this year to address the inequity and dropout prevention and at-risk funding that school districts receive. And so the first step in any successful advocacy campaign is education on the issue. So we're joined today by Phil Jennery, our government relations director, and Sean Snyder, our resident school finance expert. They're both here to talk through the issue, walk us through everything, how it's impacting districts, and then what our ask to legislators will be. And then later in the podcast, we'll be joined by Alex Smith, a board member from the Waukee School District, to talk about the real world impact of this inequity in Waukee and then how he plans to advocate for a legislative solution. So Phil and Sean, let's just dive right in. First, Sean, what are the intended and allowable uses of the dropout prevention and at-risk funds that districts receive now? Generally, it's for costs associated with instructing students deemed to be in at risk of dropping out of school. So that would include salary and benefits of teachers, administrative staff, guidance counselors, social workers, or any other staff that are working with at-risk students. Additionally, it includes costs of professional development for those staff, any materials or other services that are targeted toward uh, using for at-risk students, any purposes determined by the school board that directly benefit students that are in those programs. And something that was recently added is you can use the funds to provide school security staff. Good to know. That's a good groundwork there. So, Sean, what caused the inequity between districts in this funding? Really good question. So I was actually working in the legislature at this time, and it happened during the 2012 legislative session. Originally, there was a bill that expanded the allowable uses for dropout prevention funding. I think it was uh, Dr. Buck talked about this at our conference. It was really kind of something that was generated by the Department of Education after he had gone around and talked to superintendents saying, hey, we need to have more allowable uses for this funding. So that bill is moving through the legislature, and there was strong support for the proposal. But since the dropout prevention program is funded entirely through local property taxes, there was also concern expressed about the potential property tax implications. Um, This included discussion that by expanding the allowable uses, all the districts might increase their property taxes in order to take advantage of the uh, expanded uses of the provision. So really what happened, there was a compromise that was put in place. And what that was is they put a cap in place on the percentage of that dropout prevention maximum amount by district. So it was based on how the districts had used the funding between fiscal year 2010 and fiscal year 2013 using the highest rates that a district had leveraged between those years. For example, if a district had funded their program at a level of 5% during one of those years, they were allowed to maintain that 5% maximum. However, if their highest rate, if a district's highest rate was below that 5% maximum, they were capped at whatever that rate was at that time. And then for districts that had never used a rate above 2.5%, they basically put a floor in place at the 2.5%. So really the legislature mandated this inequity of 2.5% for some districts, 5% for other districts. And really there's a technical term that I use for this when the legislature does something like this. It's called dorking it up. Uh, The legislature really dorked this one up and, and really mandated this inequity. So of the 327 school districts, we have 128 that are about 39% that are at that 5% maximum. And we have 199 districts or 61% 
that are below that 5% max. Additionally, there's 51 districts that are actually at the very minimum of the 2.5%. So looking at this on a per pupil funding basis, really currently there's a difference of $188 per pupil between the maximum and the minimum. That's a good explainer. Um, you're right, Sean, nothing is ever simple when the legislature is involved. Kind of answered this question, do we know how many districts are affected by having a cap lower than 5% but wishing to spend more on this program than they are currently allowed to? Yeah, so there's 199 districts that are that are below the cap, and there's a, probably a smaller number of that that would actually go above where their, their current level are. And I think we've done some analysis of that. We have that available on our website. So, Phil, why do we here at IASB think this is such an important issue to address? And then do you think the pandemic has increased the need for effective dropout prevention and at-risk programs? Well, first, uh, I'll just talk about Sean's uh, te technical term. And yes, uh, that does get brought up during the uh, session. There are many bills that uh, get labeled dorks uh, during the legislative session. But yeah, so, you know, I, I think that the reason that this has been such a priority, uh, too, is that I, I can remember kind of when I first heard about the big need for it, I was at the Grantwood AEA superintendents meeting, and Ryan Wise was the a director of education at the time, and the superintendents were talking about mental health and, uh, you know, what could districts do to, to address it more. And I bet nearly all of the superintendents there said, well, we could do a lot more, but we're capped out uh, with our dropout uh, prevention funds. And so that kind of got me thinking and uh, we came back and you know decided to try and address this issue. And we got a bill introduced in 2020 that was able to pass the House Education Committee, but then went to the House Ways and Means Committee and died an untimely death as, as a lot of bills do. And then last year we were able to get another bill introduced in the Senate, but uh, just had a subcommittee and, and then that was it. You know, so we've really, you know, kind of put up the the pressure here, knowing that given the pandemic, given things that 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 have happened, that with mental health being such a focus, you know, with students, and that this has really heightened the issue. You know, we know when kids don't have that effective structure of 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 school and that time that type of thing, it takes a toll. You know, students and teachers, and you know, I mean, everybody. You know, the world basically stopped, and uh, you know, people were isolated from from each other. You know, students, you know, maybe their parents uh, lost a job when when the economy shut down. So all those things have been issues here. And I think that that, that has really heightened the need for us to address this issue. So what can our members do now to get the conversation started on this dropout prevention issue? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the the first thing is is to talk to your legislator, reach out to them. I would assume that most legislators know about the issue, but if they don't, they're they're not on the education or or ways and means committees. Uh, that that this is something that that you need to to be talking with them about. And uh, we'll be having a resources here very shortly. We are launching a statewide advocacy effort on this issue to really push it for this upcoming session. Uh, much like we did with SAVE a couple years ago, um, you know, we, we made the full court press to get SAVE done, and we did. This is another one of those issues that, that we're going to be putting the full court press on, and, and we're going to be having information and, and graphics and uh, sample uh, emails to the legislators for our members to use. That really highlights that inequity, and uh, hopefully we'll get the ball rolling to get those legislators educated on the issue, why it's important, and uh, why did districts need it. So, you know, first, uh, uh, you know, contacting your, your legislators, and then secondly, I think looking at other 
outside stakeholders that have a stake in this as well. You know, if there are other uh, mental health groups uh, in your area to try it and get them on board with this issue. So it's not just uh, school folks talking about it. So, you know, I would think to some of the uh, police and, and law enforcement groups, you know, because th- this is a whole, whole big thing, you know, when, when kids drop out, you know, there's uh, uh, correlations there with other things and want to make sure that everybody is talking about this issue. And um, so, you know, I would say, you know, one, start talking to your legislators about it. And then, you know, two, start talking to your community about it to get it on their radar as well. So, Sean, as members start to want to talk to their legislators, what tools do we already have available to help members in our dropout prevention toolkit, specifically around the finances? Yeah, so under the Advocacy Center, we do have that dropout prevention toolkit, and it includes some talking points, some sample emails to legislators. But the big thing I think for financial, we show a map that shows the differences, what that maximum percentage is by district. So that's a really good tool. We also have a file that shows the inequity on a per pupil basis, and it shows the potential additional revenue that could be generated if that cap are lifted or all districts are allowed to go up to that 5%. Additionally, we have some historic information on how the districts have used it in the past and what the implication is or what the property tax rate is. So that's all available under that toolkit. So, Phil, we've kind of talked a lot of specifics here, uh, our toolkit, what the implications are. But if you had to boil it down to a couple sentences, what would you say is the main ask we want to make of the legislature on this issue? So I think the main ask is to ask them to eliminate the inequity that was created back in uh, 2013. As Sean had mentioned, I think that the maximum per pupil amount that a district can generate through the dropout prevention is is like three hundred and sixty nine dollars per pupil, and you know from the high high and low, you know that's a fifty percent uh, disparity. So I think talking about that. Uh, asking them to eliminate that, and then also talking with them about what exactly you would do with those additional funds. I, I you know, kind of think back to uh, a representative Dustin Height, who's uh, chair of the House Education Committee, uh, spoke at our fiscal management conference and said, you know, when I hear people say, you know, we need more money, well, everybody needs more money. What are you going to do with that money? Give me the specifics. Give me the two or three or four things that you're going to do if we do this. Uh, so that's where I think that districts and our members and superintendents can say, you know, if we were able to, you know, we're capped at 3%. If we were able to go to 4%, we would be able to do X, Y, and Z. And therefore, we'd be able to help 15, 20, uh, 100 more students than we already are. And so I think that, you know, if we were able to, to get this bill done, schools would be able to do the, the job that, that they're kind of set out to do. And that is educating all students with a great education. Awesome. Well, thank you to Sean and Phil for giving us an overview of this issue and how we can really get started. So now we want to turn to Alex Smith, who is a board member at Waukee, and he has firsthand experience with this inequity. So welcome to Capital Chats, Alex, and thanks for being here. You bet. Thanks for having me. So my first question for you is, how does Waukee use the dropout prevention and at-risk funds they do have now? Sure. So right now we use those funds for social worker employee and family resources services, and they provide both on-site and off-site mental health counseling. A part of the money goes to a place called Metro West Learning Center, uh, which is a facility with students that have certain needs, at-risk counselors, and a certain type of teaching staff called interventionists. 
and they specifically focus on kids that are struggling in a subject area like math or reading. Awesome. That's good to know as we get started in this conversation. So why are these programs so important for those at-risk students and how would more funding help? The reasons they're so important is that the reality is that any child, uh, and especially an older child, can be at risk of dropping out at any time. And there's indicators out there that will show that they're maybe more likely, like being disconnected from school, lack of academic progress, poor attendance, but there can also be a significant change that can happen at the moment in a student's life, a parent's death or a divorce that can just completely change their situation. Another part of that is, you know, if we want to have a great economy, we know that starts with a good education. And uh, nowadays you cannot get a job pretty much anywhere without a high school diploma. Just as far as for how it would specifically help the Waukee School District, a lot of it is based on how students' lives are getting more complex, uh, social media, online. You know, there's increased loneliness, the more that they're spending time on their phones, and that leads to mental health resources and so uh, mental health issues. And so we need uh, to have resources to to deal with that. And, um, and also being able to add additional layers of support for our students for both acute and chronic issues. And for the Waukee School District, the way we've managed our finances, which has been really well, if we were, well, for example, we are at 3.6% right now in our funding. If we were able to go to... 5.0%, that would add over a million dollars that we could use uh, for things like staff training, additional mental health services and supports, expanded credit recovery, just means helping students that are at field of class get that back, and then other things like additional math and reading supports at the elementary level. Great. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's important to recognize everything you can do with these dropout prevention funds. So I know you've been a longtime advocate for this issue and have spoken to legislators in the past about addressing the inequity. So what advice do you have for board members as they start talking about this with their legislators? Sure. So the thing to remember about a legislator is that they are elected to represent a specific geographic area. And so and they are interested in that area. So you need to keep it local, uh, keep focused on that area. And part of it is by how this change uh, in the funding will help their area. And so, and part of that is, is keeping it personal. Talk about how the changes will help the students in your district um, with the things like counselors or the other examples that you could use. Uh, know what your local rates are, know what your dropout rates are in your area, uh, what kind of needs that you have. And then um, bring it back to the big pictures. Iowa is known in the United States for its education. And really by doing this, we're going to continue to improve our children's education, keep them at a top level. And then the other part I was gonna say is it's not just talking to your legislators and I know several of you already brought this up, but you have to, you have to get your local people uh, rallied around it because not, I mean, they're going to listen to school board members, but if it's the actual people that live in the community that are reaching out to them, it's going to have much bigger impact. That's a great point. Community support is always important. Um, so can you share why you think it's so important for all districts to advocate on this issue? Sure. So uh, what I've heard lots of times is that if you are not at the table, you are on the menu. So if you need to be there advocating for you want, because these legislators are going to have lots of different people asking for different things. By working with all the districts working together, um, you can provide a united voice, lots of voices to tell them why this is so important and especially to get your community involved 
And I mean, the reality is, is the more people you have asking for the help, the more likely you are to have uh, influence on it. And then with, you know, public schools are struggling at this time for a lot of different reasons. And in Iowa itself is having a lot of struggles with mental health issues in the state. And this could be uh, one way to alleviate that also. So bringing it. Great. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for sharing your insights, being in a district that really could use these extra funds. So thank you so much for joining the podcast today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. All right. So thanks to Phil and Sean for giving us the basics on this issue that we'll all need to successfully advocate for equity and dropout prevention funding. And then again, a big thank you to Alex for joining us. A board member's perspective on this issue is vital as we start the push to level the playing field on dropout prevention funding. So please check out our dropout prevention toolkit on the ISB website to learn about your district specifically. Um, and as always, don't hesitate to reach out to anyone on our government relations team if you have questions or need any more information. We wanna preface this by saying this will likely be a long-term effort, but the results will be worth it and we have to start somewhere. So thanks for listening and happy advocating. 